The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. The BBC once dubbed Paul Carrick the man with the golden voice, which is certainly true. My friends in the radio business know that Paul Carrick's voice has been featured in a ton of bands, major hits. But not everyone knows that besides singing the lead on this song, How Long, from Ace, he also sang on hits by Squeeze, Mike and the Mechanics, Roxy Music, Roger Waters, and for the past several years has been a featured player in Eric Clapton's touring band. I am lucky enough now to catch up with Paul Carrick from his home in London. Paul, welcome, sir. How has your strange year gone so far? Well, <laughs> strange, but it could have been worse. It could have been worse. I, I mean, uh, I'm right. pretty fortunate. You know, I've got my little vault hall here. I've got my little studio and we have a garden. So a lot of people doing a lot worse than me. Yeah, that's all you need. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've known about your career for such a long time. You're a rock and roller, but you've also played big band music. Paul, do we need to get a little bit older to appreciate the sophistication of those arrangements? Probably, yeah. I mean, um, certainly I I wasn't into it as a, as a youngster. I mean, I, I didn't dig the big band thing at all. You know, I was into uh, the Beatles and uh, yeah. rock and roll. But, um, you know, I'm considerably older now and um, <laughs> I'm game for anything, to be honest with you. I've, I mean, I've, I've sung now with orchestras and, uh, and big band music. So it's just fantastic to get, you know, new opportunities and new challenges all the time. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Well, before the pandemic struck, I mean, I knew that you had a year, really, of touring all lined up. You, d- you did do this live stream show, which is fantastic. I saw the, the first play of it, and um, you recorded it at Victoria Hall in Leeds. Is that a favorite spot of yours? It, it's a nice theater. It's a really nice theater. I'm, I'm from the north of England myself. I'm just down the road from Leeds. I was born in uh, Sheffield. But uh, when I married my wife um, all those years ago, we she's a London girl and I, I've spent most of my life in London. But it's a fantastic venue. It's quite iconic, actually. I think more, most famously, actually, The Who Live at Leeds was recorded there. Right. But, um, it's a beautiful old theatre. And um, we thought that would be great, you know, visually for the, for the cameras and everything. We've had some good nights there ourselves. Obviously, there was no audience there, but... Um, we still enjoyed it immensely, just having the band back together. You know, and I believe that when you were heading out or getting ready to head out, that you were going to play with Clapton a little bit. What is it like to play in Eric Clapton's band? Oh, it's been fantastic. It's been a really great experience. I mean, uh, I think I've done most of um, Eric's touring now for the last seven years, something like that. And um, it's taken me all over the world. Uh, to some places I'd never been. I'd never even been to Japan and uh, a lot of places in the Far East. Um, so it's been, a, a, an, a, you know, not only just to play with 
uh, you know, Eric himself and, and, and his world-class musicians. It's just been a fantastic experience. When you're at home, and you mentioned you've got this nice little uh, studio set up, you're writing a song. How? What's the process there? Do you just start noodling in the studio? I think that's, that's a good way to put it, doodling, messing about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no real, there's no real uh, plan of action. Um, I've just got my toys in here. I come in here, lock myself away. And um, a lot of the songs, very rarely are these kind of premeditated. That would be the best way to do it, probably. Most songwriters work in that way. But uh, I just come in here, start messing around, start jamming, you know, just probably piano and vocal and um, just freeform some stuff and then Maybe I, I, there'll be some little nuggets in there that I can take out and develop. And um, so that's kind of how it works. Uh, there's no real plan to it, to be honest. To go back a few years, when How Long became this massive hit for Ace, you guys were basically a pub band at that point, I believe. So how did that change things for you? Well, it was quite a shock to the system, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I'd been a musician... Oh, you know, trying to be a musician from leaving school at 16. And a bit, I've been on the road and, you know, living hand to mouth as we, you know, just having a great time. Uh, as you meant, as you said, you know, Ace were basically a, a pub band. Yeah. Although we did write our own stuff, whereas, you know, a lot of the other bands on that scene that play, just played covers, you know, rock and roll and uh, soul and what have you. But we did write our own stuff. And one of the first songs that I wrote was How Long and um, I think it helped to swing this record contract. It was a very small label. We didn't know what we were signing or anything but um, somehow or other we managed to have this kind of worldwide hit. I mean I think flukes like that happened back then. You know it it was it, it took ages. It took weeks and weeks to kind of creep up the charts very slowly but that doesn't seem to happen now but um so it was it was a foot in the door. But the most important thing was it, it brought us to America, you know, which was like going to the moon for us back yeah. then in the mid seventies. You know, um, the UK was pretty austere at that time. There was oil problems and uh, strikes and blackouts, you know, um, power outs or whatever you call them. And um, and then we came to the to America, and it was like, wow, it, it was mind blowing. <laughs> well, we toured for three months. Um, our our initiation uh, to tour in America was we opened up for Yes. Wow. Three month tour of arenas, and uh, we were this scruffy old low tech pub band opening up for you know Yes, who really had it together. I mean, they were they really had the touring thing down. They had fa- fabulous production, and they were an amazing band and everything. So it was a bit of a struggle, but I think we got away with it because we just had that one phenomenal hit that uh, that helped us to see us through. And I know that once the Ace situation sort of cooled off, you moved on to other bands, including Squeeze, and I think that you replaced Jules Holland on keyboards, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I forgot that Elvis Costello actually produced the East Side Story album, and I was it him who asked you to sing the lead on Tempted? Yes, it was indeed. I mean, um, I I just kind of joined Squeeze. Actually, I don't think I realized I was joining Squeeze. I was 
you know, I, I'd, I'd gone down to audition. They needed someone to play keys, and um, they were going in the studio literally the week after or something to do the East Side Story album. So um, I was just having a good old time playing the keyboards, and then um, they started kicking around the song Tempted, which they had already recorded a completely different version of, but we started kicking it around with that sort of more solely kind of groove and I was playing the organ and um, Elvis came running in and said you know oh, we should put this down um, and then we, we we put down this backing track and then Elvis said well you know what you maybe you should sing this Paul <laughs> so um, so I did I sang majority of the lead vocal and, and um, yeah which was a, a strange situation but it was uh, it was great I mean it's such a great song it's written by Glenn and Chris and uh, yeah it's great Great song. Yeah, fantastic. And I know eventually you moved on to uh, Mike and the Mechanics for a while. And was it Mike Rutherford who approached you to, to do some stuff with them? Uh, indirectly, yes. He was actually working on his uh, what was to become Mike and the Mechanics. It was his kind of solo project away from Genesis. He was writing songs with a guy called B.A. Robertson. And B.A. had called me up out of the blue asking me to sing a demo for him of a song he was pitching to him for a movie. And he said, uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm writing songs with Mike Rutherford. Would you be interested in coming down and, and, and you know, singing on some of this stuff? And I said, sure. So that's what I did. I, and I went down to the uh, studio, um, the, the, the Genesis studio, and uh, they gave me this track, which was like basically three chords for about six minutes long. And um, the only thing they had at that point was this thing, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you right. hear me? So they said, they go in, just go in there and, and blues away. And uh, I did. And they said, well, that's going to be great. And um, B.A. Robertson went off and um, wrote this kind of weird lyric, uh, almost science fiction, because it was, it was actually used in a, a movie called On Dangerous Ground. Um, but that was my initiation into Mike and the Mechanics. It's fantastic stuff. I mean, the golden voice for sure. Paul, it was an honor to talk to you. You stay well. And same to you, Jim. Thanks very much. All right. Bye-bye. Some musicians that I've talked to over the last several months, they really miss being on the road, which is what they're born to do. But I think that Paul has really enjoyed this time to work things out in his home studio. And by the way, he's as good a keyboard player as he is a vocalist. I do hope that you enjoyed this call to Paul Carrick in London. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll see you back here next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.